You're listening to Coffee Chats with a Life Coach podcast, episode 11. Let me start by telling you how I met today's guest. About three years ago, after I got certified as a high-performance coach, one of my main priorities was just to meet top performers, people that had success in their careers and can offer insights or opportunities to be part of their world, learn from them, and maybe connect with other extraordinary people. Back then, I was reading a lot of biographies and books about how to be better. One of those books was The Edge, How the Best Get Better by Michael Heppel. As I was listening to the Audible version, I realized he was British and quite down to earth, even though he was very successful. So I thought to myself, you know what? I could meet him one day. Well, I joined his email list, then the Write That Book Masterclass and actually published a book and also became a member of Michael's personal development community, Team 17. It's safe to say that I achieved my goal. I have met Michael both online and in person, and I even had the honor to be interviewed by him for Team 17. And today it's time to turn the tables and ask him all the questions I can in 30 minutes. So... Join me for this special episode in which you get to have a chat with Michael Heppel, coach, speaker, Sunday Times, number one best-selling author, and one of my mentors and favorite people. Michael, hi. Oh, Andrea, can I just have that printed as a poster that I could just look at every day? Because every time you, you talk, you always fill me with joy and inspiration. But that introduction, I think, is the best one I've ever had. Thank you so much. I'm excited about today. I'm glad to hear that because you always do the best introductions. And I, I was actually thinking, hmm, will I, do, will I do my best today? So I'm glad it worked out. I have to say, as I was thinking about what questions to ask, I got into a bit of analysis paralysis because I have so many questions <laughs> and I didn't know what to start with. So I'm going to... Just go with the question that I asked all my guests while we were doing the review of 2023 and see where we go from there. So what are you most proud of from last year? This, that's a great, there's a couple of things. I might, I'll do one personal and one business things. Personally, I'm really proud of the fact that we managed to get a lot of holidays, a lot of breaks, and they were all guilt-free. I'm one of these people, when I take time out, I some I have, a, I don't know why, but I'll sometimes think, oh, I should be doing something else or I, I should be checking something on my phone or whatever. And I did really, really well. My phone was in the safe a lot of the time. We managed to get, a, you know, several really great breaks, including a family holiday, a, a, a bucket list trip to go to the Monaco Grand Prix and uh, a few other things. So I'm really pleased about that. And it's almost like I've got something out of my system, so I don't feel the need to do it this year. So this year I'm going to spend more time at home, but definitely, definitely love that idea of doing doing less work. And then the, from a business side of things, okay, I think that I always think the best thing with these interviews is go with whatever's top of mind. So the thing that immediately came top of mind there was um, I launched my sixth Write That Book Masterclass and said it would be the last one and I've stuck with that. And it's kind of going out on top. I see people who do you know, online courses and they've been doing the same course now for the last five years 
and they just keep doing the same thing again and again and again. And I think, you know what, that's not about, it could be for them. I can't see what other people are thinking, but it doesn't feel like it's about the customer then. You know, it feels like it's a business. Whereas I think you should create something that is customer driven first and then turn it into a business. So I'm really pleased about the fact that I stepped out and said that was the last one in that particular format. Have I missed it? Yes. Was I tempted to do another one? Yes. But I'm really proud of the fact that I've stuck with my guns. I was part of that last one and I was really thinking, you know what, I've heard other people saying, oh, this is the last time we're doing this and they, they did it again and I hate that. I absolutely yeah. hate that. But going back to the first thing you said, there are so many people who have trouble having time off, relaxing while they're on holiday, especially if they have their own businesses. Why was it hard for you? Why do you think we have this push to keep going all the time? For me personally, and I think a lot of other people might see this perhaps in themselves, it's ego. I think I'm more important than I am. I have to be there. I have to do the answers. If I'm not checking in, then nobody else is. And it's crazy because I've got two other people who help me and, and support me. And they're brilliant and they can answer emails, they can answer questions, they can do the vast majority of things. And so learning to properly let go. And I think it's more than delegation. It's it's that thing about saying you're not the issue. And especially when you're a solo entrepreneur, like when your company is called your name, you know, my business is Michael Hepper Limited. So people expect Michael to show up. Uh, I thought that people expected Michael to show up. The truth is they don't. If Sarah answers or Vanessa answers or somebody else answers a question, nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, people are happy with that. So I had to learn to let that bit of ego go first. And then after that, to literally remove technology out of my periphery. Because mobile phones are the most intrusive things. And I'm still learning. Over Christmas, I caught myself several times. My wife's talking to me and I'm sat with this blinking thing in my face. And then she said, are you going to answer that question? And I said, oh, sorry, I was just doing this. And she said, I hope it's important. Was it important? Probably not. Could it have waited? Absolutely. Am I being in that moment? No. So I have to physically put my phone in a different place. And I understand, you know, I, I'm undoubtedly addicted to my mobile phone. You know, I'm not proud of it. I just, I am. And I think 90% of people are. And so learning to do that has been tough. So what were some of your thoughts when you were on holiday and you were relaxing? What was, what was the feeling overall you had? And why do you think you had that feeling? What were you thinking? Do you know, I, I think it's a thing where you read and you're, genuinely completely in that book so I, I love reading fiction when I'm on holiday you know I th really throw myself into it I also read some personal development stuff and I read it in a different way I did that thing you've maybe done this yourself but you start to read a book and you sit up you know you're no longer lying on the sun lounger anymore you, you sat up and then you I need a pen I need a pen and you start to write notes and things. you get that level of excitement about learning something new or learning something about yourself so I really had that and then the other thing which was great which 
I don't know if we've done before, but Christine and I, um, she would read a book, then she'd give me the same book. And then, so we read three books that, you know, that we both read. And it was brilliant seeing where we were up to in the plot and has this happened yet? You know, it, it, that type of thing. It was really good. So it made it a bit more engaging. I've definitely changed my relationship with self-help books lately because they now feel part of the job and I'm not super excited about them anymore. And there was a time when I just couldn't read anything more because it, it felt like a job. Yeah. So what I've done recently after a, a break, I've read a lot of um, um, fiction and then I was excited about nonfiction again. And now I have books and actually I have one here and I keep taking notes and putting signs and actually yeah. going back to use these things, not just read them for the sake of reading them. I want to going yeah. back and, um, and apply what I'm learning. Those little post-it notes are brilliant. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have the same ones here, just the little mini ones. And I, and I end up with books full of them. But exactly as you said, there's no point at all in filling a book with post-it notes and then not looking at it again. So one of the books that I read this last year, I went back to it between Christmas and New Year. And I and I was just looking, first of all, through all the, the notes. And I, I did that again. It took about you know, half a day to go through those bits. And then I thought, right, just stop. Just pick two things and make them happen. You know, and, and, and that's such a key with personal development, knowing and doing are two different things. You know, the secret isn't in the knowing, the secret's in the doing. And I say that all the time, but sometimes I have to remind myself because I'm great at regurgitating the knowledge. I can do that. What does it mean? How do you apply it? Who's going to, who's going to hold you accountable if you don't do what you say you're going to do? It's that, that's the tough stuff. Yeah, now I I put a constraint. I am only allowed to go to the next one after either apply something or at least create content for my own business about the things that I took notes about. Yeah, at, at least that. Just take an action. Don't go to the next one. Yeah. Oh, so many times I've done that. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking I mean, we're doing this on Zoom, and behind me you can just see all these dozens and dozens of books, and I kind of I look at the, some of them and think, you know what? I, I've I've bought that, skimmed it, not done anything with it. And there are others that I go back to again and again and again. You know what? This this is a great book. The introvert who could have people are watching a video version of this. I I before we did this today, it was so funny because I was thinking about questions and about what was important to me. And I knew that you were going to ask me about, you know, word of the year and, and that type of thing. And I was just thinking, you know, just that thing about realizing that en enough is enough. And um and you know one of the uh, one of the things about failure, you know, and what do you still need to work on? You said I want to talk to you about what you still need to work on, and I had this whole thing about I used to I used to have this strong need to win all the time, like I, it was such a I had to be the best. I had to you know silly things like um, first person out at the end of a concert and into the car and away because and I I, I remember running through car parks after a brilliant gig and doing this mantra to my wife and my family and my friends going minutes in the car park means hours off the road minutes in the car park hours off the road 
just ridiculous. Get in the car first, get out under the road so you wouldn't be caught up in a, in a traffic jam. And, um, or getting the best seat somewhere. You go to a restaurant on holiday, I, w- I want a seat in the front row. Like, how can I get that? All that type of stuff. Never really in the moment, just always this thing about, about winning and about making myself better and all that type of stuff. Anyway, I picked up your book and I just turned random page. The first, the first headline is already good enough. I mean, what a great message. You're already good enough. You don't need to constantly strive, Michael. I mean, this is a message for myself. I don't always consciously need to be thinking I've got to be better. I've got to have more. That is such a realization for me. I'm learning it. It's tough. I mean, it's a real scrap because it's you know part of my in it's uh, my makeup it's part of my dna to want to do that but when my wife calls me out on it oh my goodness it's such a truth so i said do you do you really have to win that little battle there michael was it that important no (laughs) okay since you are you already mentioned the fact that i sent some questions ahead of time yeah tell me if you have chosen a word of the year I have. I've chosen it's a two-word word, which is third phase. This was the big discovery I had last year. This is the personal development moment when I sat up on the, the bed in a lovely hotel in, um, I dropped my H said in a lovely hotel, I said, lovely hotel, let's say it properly, in, in Menorca. And it, this, it's this book about, it's called Strength to Strength. And it's at the third phase of your life. So if we have four phases in life, the first one is your education. It's you. It's basically getting started. And then the next phase is this point where you can really push your career. You can really go for it. You can create things. Your mind seems to be working brilliantly. You're in flow a lot of the time and you think it's going to stay forever. And the truth is it can't stay there forever. It's a curve. It goes up and it is going to go back down. And what this book was about was accepting that, but then using your intelligence in a different way to create a new curve that just continuously goes up. And um, and the guy who wrote the book, he talks about two types of intelligence. And the first one is fluid intelligence. So this is where you can literally, you know, you can think of stuff very, very quickly. You're always on the ball. You see opportunities. Um, you know, nothing will phase you. And then the next type of intelligence is crystallized intelligence, where you take your fluid intelligence, you take everything that you already know, and you use that for the greater good. So that's why where why mentors who've got a lot of experience are brilliant when they use their crystallized intelligence. And where, um, you know, we often look at older people as the you know the sages or the mystics or whatever they're very rarely young because they're taking this intelligence and they've crystallized it and then they share it so i'm learning at the moment to take myself out of the curve before it starts to drop and it will you can't deny it you know i I don't want to be on stage being a, a motivational speaker when i'm 70 because It'll be a shame. You know, I'd rather people say, do you remember Michael Heppel? Wasn't he brilliant? 
and then being on a panel and discussing something and sharing wisdom rather than going on stage and trying to be rah-rah. And, and it's acceptance of that is very, very difficult, but it's a must. Do you already know how this will look like for you in the future Do you, or you're just figuring it out? Working it out. And I'm asking myself a lot of questions and the questions are leading to more questions. And it's, it's proving quite challenging actually, but I haven't given myself a, a, a deadline. I haven't said I have to have this worked out in 2024. Um, I'm just saying I have, I need to be on the journey and I need to, it's like, if you imagine that, um, <clears throat> in sports, everybody accepts that you're going to have a peak and then you're going to phase out. And, but why wouldn't you do the same thing in business? Why wouldn't you, you know, and they go, oh, well, Richard Branson's still really good. Well, yeah, that's the ones you can name. You know, there's a handful of people who are old in business who you can still name. And actually what Branson's very, very good at is crystallized intelligence. He no longer thinks of the new ideas. You know, his, his one of the big things that he set up was the elders. When you bring people together like Nelson Mandela and Bill Clinton and people like that to look at bigger problems and bigger issues and say, how can we use all of this knowledge and use it in a positive way? And so it's my version of that. That's what I want to do next. So you just celebrated 25 years in business, which yeah. is mind blowing for me. But I've always looked at you as as an example, even though I feel we started different generations the world was different do you think it would have been easier in our world to start or when you started oh man another brilliant question because it it the awful word to say it the answer is it depends so you see we've got access to um to this zoom and being able to use technology and to be able to you know get all the world's information it's all there but then so has everybody else and so it's so that's not whether you have it it's how you use it um when i first started i was a fundraiser and i used to be what's known as a big gift fundraiser this was 30 something years ago and i had to research individuals um and then look at getting big six-figure donations from them and i used to do the research on microfleche so i would go to the local newspaper and go to their records department get the name of the person get the references find the mic piece of microfleche put it through the big machine find the article get a, a printout of that like a photocopy type thing of that article then use that and we used to put together these files of stuff now google bam and it's just all there instantaneously. That So that is brilliant. But I don't know if people these days, um, I mean, it's weird because in 25 years time, there'll be people saying, you know, was it easier 25 years ago when you, when you just had, when you had to type into the Google rather than just think about it, which in 25 years time, that's what will happen. We'll think about something and it'll, it'll occur. So um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, you've given me a load to think about. <laughs> there's, there's my brain full now for the next two weeks thinking about would it be easier to do my job if I was starting now than 25 years ago when I did start? <gasps> Great question. 
It is interesting, though, because as you said, oh, in 25 years, we'll ask ourselves, would it be easier to type in Google rather than think it? I still think it all comes down to us and not the circumstances. Whether a technology will advance, whether we'll have more opportunities, we as people are still fighting with the same brain that will not evolve. This is the most evolved we'll ever be. So I, I think we'll still have the same, uh, the same fears, the same blockages. So even though we'll have more opportunities, it, it might be easier from, from certain points of view. I still we need our biggest obstacle is still ourselves. Undoubtedly, yeah. What do you think if you had a, a mentee that you would teach, show show the ropes? What okay. do you think would be, I don't know, three main things that made you successful? That made me successful that I would pass on to them? Yeah. You know what? I think the first thing is um, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. Like be on the very edge of terror. That is the best place to be. And so whether that's standing up and speaking, whether it's wanting to make that appointment with the, you know, the chief exec of the organization who you want to pitch, um, you know, whether it's, you know, describing yourself as an expert in or whatever, put it out there and be terrified about when you put it out there. Because even if you have to rein it back a little bit, better that than not going far enough. So I think that would be one thing. Secondly, finish stuff. Um, what I notice now, there's a lot of people start things and they just don't see it through. Gr- start, start, start. You know, it's super easy to start something. Um, and so you get serial starters. So I would say just get something over the line. It's the most wonderful feeling when you've completed something. You'll know that with your with your book. That feeling when you get that in your hand and you did that is amazing. And we've had... You know, about over a thousand people now who've started to write that book process and we've had 200 and something have published. So that means there's currently 700 and odd who are sat there still thinking about writing their book, still writing their first chapter, but not actually finishing it. And I think that's a real shame because it is the most joyful, joyful thing. And then the final piece of information, uh, thing from a mentor, again, totally intuitively this, would be stop and have a look at what you've done. Enjoy the process. Um, take loads of photographs, but then record them in a way that you can look back at it. Now, I, I've done things like amazing, brilliant, brilliant things. I forgot to take any photographs. My very first book launch, you know, the, when, when How To Be Brilliant was published, we did a big book launch. I'd have 100 people there. We had 2,000 copies of the books all piled up behind this big um, table and nobody took a photograph. <laughs> Why didn't anybody take a photograph? That would have been a great shot, wouldn't it? The author with 2000 copies of the books behind them, nobody took the photograph. So I kind of, I remember it, but I don't have the, I ha- didn't stop to enjoy it and, and think about it a little bit more. Yeah, so that I, th- I would say they would be the three things. Mm-hmm. I so agree with, the second one, 
just finish something. And as you were talking, something came to my mind. One of the reasons why we stop, don't finish things is because we, because we get new ideas of other things to do. And some, yes, it's just um, shiny objects. But other times could still be shiny objects, but we tell ourselves, well, I'm changing directions because I think it's more aligned with who I am. Yeah. And I'm these past few days, I've been thinking a lot about alignment and the labels we choose for ourselves, including my own um, journey with introversion and how I use that at some point to limit myself. But we also have things like other personality types or Enneagram types, uh, energy types, um, even zodiac signs. So we create these ideas of how, how we can work, what we are able to do. And by living in what we think is alignment, we put a lot of limitations around us. So what's yeah. your view on, you know, energy types or any sort of personality labels? Well, I, I always do a little joke when people talk about that. And I say, oh, yes, I'm a blue thruster monkey. And they say, what? I say, a blue thruster monkey. That's my type. And, they'll, and, they, and they desperately try and link it with, you know, is it a Myers-Briggs thing or is it a this thing or a that thing or, or whatever? Uh, you're absolutely right, um, Andrea. The classic thing is somebody gets a label, then they live the label. Um, my wife used to work for Compact Computers. And she was an, 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 an analyst for them. And then she did business, um, strategic business mergers with them. And this big thing, everybody had these badges on and their badge had their name, but it also had their personality type on. So it would help you to communicate with them. And after about six months, everybody forgot what the colors meant. They forgot what the initials meant. And they were just back to where they were beforehand. And you liked somebody because you liked them. And usually you liked them because they were kind because they were helpful, because they opened up. It wasn't necessarily a personality type. It was a nice person. You know, my whole philosophy when it comes to personality types is, yes, know yourself and know what you need around you to do your best work, but then allow some growth to, to happen. You cannot live in your bubble all the time. If we would do that, no matter what label you put on yourself, we would not get anything done. Absolutely. Going back to plans for um, for this year, you've shared the word of the year. Do you have anything else that is happening that we can know about? I <laughs> see. You're going to make me say something here, and I'm going to I'm going to end up regretting it. I've got I've got an idea for two different books, two different books, which I would like to write. And they're both very, very different. And I, and I keep picking up and starting a bit with one, starting a bit with a, this is the start thing. And, and I need a sign. I need something to leap out and go, Michael, finish that one, get it done, get it over the line. And that, so I'm looking for it. Uh, I'll tell you the headlines for the two different books. And if people listen to this, they could let me know, which one would you like to read? So my relationship with my father was all right it was but not brilliant you know um we 
you know, he never said I love you. And I can't think other than when he was on his deathbed that I said I loved him out loud. Um, and we were often very different with our sort of personality types. And I used to think that my dad was a, a little bit of a failure. Even though he, he had a successful business, I always thought you could do more with that. Why are you just employing 11 people? You could have 100. Why Why do you do that for free for people when you could get paid to do it? You know, there was all these things that I used to give him a hard time over. When I look back now with much better with a much better brain, I see my dad was brilliant at lots and lots of things. And I want to share those lessons that that he taught me and about, you know, kind of take what he did, why he did certain things and then bring it into the world that we're in right now. So it's, you know, Bill, Bill was my dad. <laughs> Would it be Bill's lessons or, you know, lessons from Bill or, you know, that, that type of thing. And I've written down, I've already written about 20 of them. And there would be short stories. Each one of them would be a short story. The the reason when it happened, how I discovered it, what I, why I think he thought that particular way, what I've learned from it, and then maybe what the reader can learn from it as well. So that's one idea. Quite personal development, the bit, bit of biography about my dad as well, um, that, that type of thing. The other one is a fiction book. And I've had this idea for a fiction book for... Um, a, a while now, and I've actually, well, I've done quite well. I've written over 20,000 words with it, and it's a comedy um, fiction book. And it's about a, a lad who's in his 20s who is out with his mates and he's fiddling around with Instagram and he's reading these personal development quotes. And his mate says to him, why do you even read that? You never do anything with it. And he said, yes, I do. And they say, okay, I bet you that you won't do what those quotes, it's called quote up your life is the name of the, the, um, the Instagram account. I bet you f can't do those quotes for a week. And he said, I bet I could do them for a month. So they, ha they have a bet, him and his mates. And then every day he gets a quote up your life posts on Instagram. Then he has to do whatever the quote might be. And some of them are classics. So, you know, he, and it, he goes on a story and he goes on a journey and he ends up, you know, going off to Denmark and Legoland and things like that and falls in love and loses his job and all sorts of stuff. And it's how by the time he gets to the end, his journey is how he's found himself through this quote up your life. So that's and that's quite difficult. This is a lot of dialogue. It's making me work harder. The other one, because it's a personal development book and I've written quite a few of those, I can do that one reasonably easily. The, the learning to write fiction, learning to write story arcs, learning to keep the reader interested in character, um, you know, taking out unnecessary was that was good, but I was actually it was all a setup just so I could chase a little laugh. It shouldn't be in. You take you edit that out. It's it's very challenging. So there's the two things I'd like to definitely have one of them published in 2024, but I don't know which one. And that's an exclusive, Andrea. I've not talked to anybody else about this. Very happy to hear it. And I got to say, I'm not surprised. I was not surprised when you said one of them was fiction. I kind of felt it when you were talking about two, two books. I felt one of them is fiction. And I'm also not surprised about the theme of it. 
because you are still writing about things you know. It's just the skill of doing it in um in a fiction way, not yeah. nonfiction. But the, the story we we know we know the the hero how it he'll end up. Um, yeah. And also, I have the exact same problem right now. I have two book ideas. One of them is fiction. One of them is nonfiction. And the fiction one is about someone who has the ability to read people's thoughts and what kind of um, effect that has on her knowing what other people think about her. So she will still go on a personal development journey because she can hear other people's thoughts. So very coachy, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a wonderful thing. And you know, the weird thing is it's not that I don't have the time because I, I know I can create the time to do this, to do whichever one. I just don't want to get in because you've got to invest fully. There's no point at all in, in saying you've got to write a book and then have a go. For me, it's you're committed, you're all in, you've got to do your very, very best job with it. Um, you know, we're living in a world right now where people are selling courses on how to write a book a week using AI. I and mean, what kind of a world is that? What kind of content are people creating where they can produce a book a week? One of my books took four years to write. The one that you mentioned, The Edge, it took four years to do that book. I mean, never again. <laughs> that was that was bonkers. I don't want to ever do that again. But it often will take at least a year. Something that I see a lot with self-published books is there's a lower level of quality. Not for all of them, absolutely not. Yeah. But I have I have bought a few where I thought, oh, here's a typo, or I would have done the design better. Do you think? It matters to still push it out there, just hit publish and then let it go. Or if we get something out, we should really put some thought into it. Absolutely. You know, that's that quality of what you people spend so much time writing it. And then for the sake of a bit of time, a little bit of investment, maybe they end up with some floppy thing that's the typesets wrong. You know, you end up with the, you know, the have their name, and then there's a bit of a shadow behind because it was cut and pasted from somewhere else. Oh, it's such a shame, and uh, my heart sinks sometimes. Um, you know, here's a, a classic example: was when we first did the the very first write that book. Um, the one of the very first um authors, it'll be up there um somewhere. I'm sure it was Nick Finney's book, um, the, the bumps ahead. And he went really, really quick to get it, to get it done. Now it's a brilliant book. It's really, really well written, but the cover just wasn't particularly good. And the print wasn't particularly good. And it, it just felt a bit of a shame. So he went back and then he redid it and he's redone the cover and he's reprinted it. And he said, I feel really proud of it now. I'm I'm really confident about giving it to people or, you know, it sits there, it'll sit there out on a table. You know, somebody comes to that house, oh yeah, I wrote that rather than keeping it up on a shelf. So I think the quality, that it, it is so accessible now 
for anybody to be able to produce books and to do it through the likes of Amazon KDP and digital print and that type of thing and doing low numbers that I think people get caught up in this idea of just get it out there rather than doing something that they're going to be really proud of. Yeah, there's, there is a fine line before not finishing something because you keep going at it to make it perfect, perfect yeah. and pushing it before it's ready. It'll never be perfect. I mean, I've, I've done books with professional publishers and they've had, you know, copy editors, proofreaders, you know, lots and lots of people go through it and it's still published with a mistake in it. And you look at go, how on earth did that get through? Still there. In my very first edition of How to Be Brilliant and my very first book, they spelled Heppel wrong. The name of the author inside on the, um, the list, and this is how people know if they've got a first edition, um, it says the Michael Heppel Company Values as, as part of the, um, the index of, of, of what's available. And they've spelled Heppel with one L instead of two Ls. Is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you still want to say? <laughs> <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> you know, I, I, I love these conversations. Do you know what I've loved about this today is you've asked the questions that other people don't ask and you followed up brilliantly with them as well. Because as soon as I sit down to do a, a, a one of these interviews and somebody goes, so tell me, how did you get started? Nobody cares how you get start, how you got started really unless it's some amazing story you know but my backstory is a bit boring you know i grew up in a house with parents who loved me and you know um worked hard and blah 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 that's it um there's not a lot of, of exciting stuff in the background and then when i started my business you know yeah a few things went wrong they go wrong for everybody in business no one cares about your sob story they want to know what they can do now what they can get now well, we have to stop here. I could come up with more questions and keep you here for hours, but we have to stop. And I'm so happy uh, we got the chance to have this conversation. Thank you so much. And um, maybe we can do it again in a year and see how this has evolved, how the third phase idea has evolved and where are you in a year. Yeah. And you know what? The minute you've said that, that creates accountability for me. And I love that. You well, know, we, should, we should say, you know what? January 2025, let's book that in. Let's say it. And we're going to talk about it because it'll, it'll go past so quickly. These things whiz by. A year just goes past so quickly. And you can say, come on, Michael, how are you doing with this third phase that you talked about? But what are you demonstrating that you're doing? I'd love that. It's a date. Thank you again. And I will see you. Well, I'll see you live in about a month for day 17. I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be great. Thanks for everything, Andre. You're an absolute superstar. Thank you. And for those who have listened to this, thank you so much for being here. And I'll see you next time. Bye bye.